uncontrolled feelings of anger, rage, and even hatred. In its purest form, it presents with injury, violence, and hate that may provoke feuds that can go on for generations. Feelings can manifest in different ways, including impatience, hateful misanthropy, revenge, and even self-destructive behavior. Who made you judge, jury, and executioner? I hope you don't get too upset today, too angry. Jim said he might need to leave early to do a <laughs> do Sally's test. And I said, you're not going to leave because you're angry, are you? Angry at me preaching about anger? <laughs> well, wrath and anger, they've been going on forever. Y'all remember Cain and Abel? Was it last year? We went through Genesis. And it's been going on ever since the very beginning. But I'm telling you what, um, in the past 18 months, our world has taken anger and wrath to an extreme level, like, nothing like I've ever seen before, at least in our country, uh, nothing like I've ever experienced before in my lifetime, and it is dividing people more, uh, it's dividing our country, just this anger, this hate, this animosity toward one another, uh, it, it's terrible, it's evil, people are arguing and fighting over everything treating each other like they're not even humans, treating each other in, in such a way that is just despicable, not considering that they're also made in the image of God, that they also have value and worth, fighting and arguing over vaxxed or unvaxxed, over masked or unmasked, over stay safe, stay home, or live in freedom. I've seen videos of people literally getting into fist fights the past year and a half because somebody wasn't wearing a mask in the store, which is kind of ironic because if you're so concerned, why are you going to get all up in their face and wrestle to them, them to the ground and breathe all over each other if you're trying not to catch anything? But the, the, the violence, just the anger, the wrath wells up in them. Or maybe they take all the toilet paper and people get in fist fights at the store. Just so upset, so filled with this wrath, with this anger. People doing terrible things to one another, lashing out, spewing such hatred and such contempt. It really, if, if I told you two years ago uh, that people would just treat each other in this, such this hateful way like this, um, I don't know if I would have believed it saying things to each other like, I won't participate in your experiment. You guys are sheeple. And then the other side says, you're grandma killers. I hope you get COVID and die. People are literally saying those things and much worse. I hope you get COVID and die. The opposite of treating another person with respect and dignity. And it needs to stop. It has to stop. If you have your bulletin, we're going to talk about anger and wrath and rage this morning. First thought, if you want to write this down, is we need to control our temper or it will control us. Now, I don't have to say this. Many of you already live this. You know this. You've lived through this. People around you, you've seen how this works. You've seen how it happens. Or in your life, 
how you just fly off the handle or your loved one or your coworker, your boss flies off the handle and, and what it does, that anger controls you, controls them. Anybody ever play uh, this game called Angry Birds? It used to be pretty popular a few years ago. My kids got these from some claw machines. Don't ask. Anyway, so I thought I'd put these up. It can be a reminder. A lot of people, the anger is kind of, they can treat it as silly or funny or kind of lighthearted. But really, when you get down to it, it's not that, oh, here's the pig. They're supposed to get the pig, right? There we go. There's the pig. <laughs> it's not really funny. People who have been through situations you can fire it back at me. Where they're, they're, they've been hurt by their spouse, they've been abused, they've been mistreated by their boss, they've been all these things. It is, oh! <laughs> See, I'm making Eli angry right now. It's actually not funny, and the truth is it's incredibly destructive. Pigs fly. <laughs> when pigs fly. Anger, this wrath that wells up in us, it can seem cutesy in some games or movies, but if not controlled, anger will control us. It will control you and me, and it will do more untold damage in our lives than we ever thought possible. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 4, about the middle of your Bible. We're going to take a tour through Psalms and Proverbs and see a lot of what the Scriptures have to say about anger and wrath. Psalm chapter 4, verse 4. Don't sin by letting anger control you. How do we do that? That's really hard, right? Anybody? That's really hard. Think about it overnight and remain silent. Boy, if we all live by this, how different our world would be. Cool down. Think about it overnight. Remain silent. Flip over to Psalm 37. Like I said, we're taking a tour. Psalm 37, verse 4. That's not right. 8. Here we go. That was close. Stop being angry. Easy to say, harder to do. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. Anybody ever driven next to an angry person, behind or in front of an angry person? Anybody ever been that angry person that other people had to drive around? Much harm has come from that. How about Proverbs? Keep flipping. Go past Psalms. Go to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs 14 verse 7. Stay away from fools. No, that's not it. No, yeah, it is. No, it isn't. <laughs> 17. I'm missing numbers here. But that's a good advice, too. Stay away from fools. However, some people don't, you know, we might think I'm kind of an angry person, but we don't think I'm a fool. Like, I'm not a foolish person. However, look at verse 17. Short-tempered people do foolish things. Oh, if you let your anger get the best of you scripturally, you a fool. And we all know what Jesus said. I pity the fool, right? I pity the fool. Or that, that might have been somebody else. I'm not sure. Short-tempered people do foolish things and schemers are hated. Keep going. Proverbs 14, verse 29. People with understanding control their anger. Here we go again. A hot temper shows great foolishness. Have you been showing great foolishness to yourself? To the people around you, I see a few grimaces like, I don't want to do that, but I do sometimes. Proverbs 15, verse 1. So how do we combat this? A gentle answer. 
deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Do you make tempers flare? Other people around you, they're going to be, they're going to do what they're going to do. You can't control their attitude, their behavior, but are you going to put more fuel on the fire of their anger and return anger with anger and make it into a huge blaze? <laughs> or are you going to do a gentle answer and deflect their anger? Deflect it. Calm them down, calm yourself down. That takes a lot of self-control, one of the fruits of the Spirit, self-control. Proverbs 15, verse 18. A hot-tempered person starts fights. A cool-tempered person stops them. Which are you? Which are you? The 21st century version would probably say, a hot-tempered person argues on Facebook. <laughs> or over texting. Or on Instagram, or whatever. A hot-tempered person thinks that they're going to change somebody's minds in the comments section when they get into a big debate. Just stop. <laughs> Cool-tempered person stops. Look at verse, uh, flip over to chapter 19. Chapter 19 of Proverbs, verse 11. Sensible people control their anger. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Wow. People are going to get angry at you. That's going to happen. Will you earn the respect of others by not returning rage for rage, but by having self-control? Self-control. Sensible people. Are you a sensible person? Do you earn respect by overlooking wrongs? Like Jesus overlooked our wrongs. We'll get to that a lot later. <laughs> a little later. Last one. Uh, for now, Proverbs 29, look at verse 11. Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Have you ever said things like, I just need to vent right now. I just need to vent. You a fool. <laughs> sorry. Uh, not sorry, I'm just a messenger. Fools vent their anger. Oh, I hated so much. And we do this, what, every day? Constantly, all the time? There's so many things we can complain about. But when you look around the world at places like Afghanistan, China, North Korea, a lot of places in Africa, all the atrocities going on in the world, Haiti. When we look at the world and what other Christians are going through, being executed, tortured, beaten, raped, put in prison. Maybe we should have a little bit more of that perspective. And the person in line at the grocery store in front of us, writing a check, maybe, whew, calm down, Dan. Whew, maybe it's not that big a deal. Or they take forever and the line in front of you. And they got 13 items and it says 12 items. And I know because I counted and they need to go over there and I need to go over and I got to go. You're going to just vent your anger. Just let it loose. Or quietly hold it back. To sum up, we could say the anger is a desire for vengeance. Have you ever wanted to get somebody back? Or it's also an emotional resentment based on a perceived injustice. And I say perceived injustice because... We're not always wrong. We just see it that way. That person cut in front of me on purpose. No, 
They might not have even seen you. They weren't trying to, they had to get switch lanes to get over here to get to the doctor's appointment, whatever. It's a perceived injustice. And we feel like somebody's done us wrong. And sometimes we can be so petty, can't we? So stinking petty. We get upset because we lost a card game. We flip the tables of the board game, or maybe that's just my kids, right? Or maybe you, um, your, your, your spouse just leaves their dirty socks and their dirty underwear on the floor, and you, why can't they just pick up their stinking clothes every day? Or maybe you go to the restaurant or the coffee house, and the barista or the waiter or the server, they get your order slightly wrong, and you explode in a fit of rage. I ordered a mocha half-calf frappuccino with the thing and the pudding pops and I don't know, whatever you got. Well, the, the tops and the, the whipped cream. And then I said, soy. I said, almond milk. And they put regular milk. And they were five minutes late with their salad, so I'm going to dock the tip. Okay. Chill. Take a chill pill. Think about what other people are going through. You, you are sitting in a restaurant. Somebody else is making your food and doing your dishes. We should be so thankful. And yet we get so entitled. And when we get entitled, we get angry when people mess with our expectations in our perfect world. And we think things should be like this we think life should be like this, and when it's not, when people have not met our perfect expectations of them, then we just explode. We turn into the Hulk, and people in our life run from us because they see that look in our eyes of rage. There's a, a rabbinic statement, not rabbits, but uh, the rabbis of the Jewish world, and they, they have this statement. They say, anger is like a boiling tea kettle. Anger is like a boiling tea kettle. Once it overflows, you have no idea where it's going to run or who it's going to burn. I like that. Anger's like a boiling tea kettle. Once it overflows, you have no idea where it's going to run, who it's going to burn, who you're going to hurt, who we're going to hurt in our lives. When that flame of anger burns inside of us, and we're just boiling and boiling and getting hot in the heat. And we're just, we just, the steam's coming out. And we're just, you know, we're just ready to explode. We just want to smash something. We just want to hit something. We just want to hurt somebody. We want them to hurt like they've hurt us. We want them to feel the pain of what they have done to us. And they're yelling and they cut us off. And we're just so... Upset and mad. Woo! Bright Graham. He knows what's up. And you know what we need to do? Like I said, get perspective. Remove ourselves from the heat, from the hot burner in our life, from what is causing that anger. Do the self-control. Remove ourselves so we can cool down in life. And chill out. And realize, you know what? We got it. Really, really good. And we don't need to get upset at our barista for putting a shot of whatever, mocha in that we didn't ask for. Now, some things in life, I'm talking about the little things. I'm not talking about you've been abused, 
you were molested as a child, and you, that anger's a little different than being upset at your server, okay? I'm talking more about petty stuff. Now we need to work through forgiveness with the other, the bigger things too, and the people who really have hurt us a lot in our life. Forgiveness is hard, and we'll, we've talked about that before, but the anger over the, the petty stuff. We just need to learn to chill. In the grand scheme of things, the person serving you the salad being five minutes late, the barista messing up your coffee a little bit, putting one extra ice cube in that you asked, that didn't ask for, is that going to make a big difference? No. In the scheme of eternity, so much of what we get angry about, it's just so silly. And if we were living in another country, say Afghanistan right now, I think we would have a lot different things to be concerned about, to be upset about, to be thankful for in life. We have it so good in America. And even in a divisive country where everybody's yelling and screaming and arguing with each other, we do not live in places where persecution is just right there. You don't know if you're going to make it through the day. Let's have some perspective in our lives. So who or what have you been angry about in your life? You don't have to point, and you don't have to shout it out or raise your hand share. Who or what have you been angry about? Who do you want to suffer for what they did to you? That's a big one. I want them to hurt, oh, twist that knife, you know, just like they hurt me. Maybe you're more of a silent sufferer, anger per type, right? You don't have this boiling rage and break ground. You don't have this boiling rage spilling over, running everywhere, burning other people. But maybe you're the, the silent sufferer. Maybe you're the quiet type who's just bitter inside, just bitter, 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 holding grudges holding grudges and you see that person walk by and you're like oh, I hope they fall into a manhole you know across the street I hope they get hit by a... some people today they're like I hope you get COVID and die it's terrible the people <laughs> the things that people think what we say to one another maybe you're quiet about it and you never scream and you never vent and you never rage against the machine but you you quietly you also you still have that wrath it's like the skinny gluttons, right? Or the broke, greedy people. You can be a glutton and be thin because of your metabolism or whatever, bulimia, anorexia, you know, bulimia. You can be quiet and still be filled with anger and rage and malice towards another person. That is not who Jesus called us to be. That's not who he called us to be. He called us to something much higher, which I want to share with you after we watch this we've been doing a summer stories really focusing on life stories and i want to share with you this is darren what he has to say i knew i needed the forgiven but i didn't want to i wanted him to suffer like he made me suffer like he made my family suffer when i was born i was born with a bilateral cleft palate cleft lip. What that meant is I had no roof of my mouth, no upper lip. Most of the upper part of my face uh, 
was unformed. And for many years, I underwent cosmetic and corrective surgery. Growing up, I was a small kid. I looked different than a lot of other people. And so I dealt with a lot of bullying. I had parents that wouldn't let their kids play with me because I looked different. I had kids who used to throw rocks at me when I was in elementary school to keep me away from them, pushed me around, called me names, made it known that I wasn't wanted. I had a very lonely childhood, and that made me very, very bitter. I felt like God wasn't much different from the bullies I had dealt with growing up. The bullies and other kids had left me behind, and here it is, God having done the same thing. One Wednesday night, we'd gone to church, and it was cold, it was dark, it was raining, and my mother was sitting next to me. And I asked her, I said, Mom, why did God make me so ugly? She didn't answer me right away, which kind of unnerved me a bit. <laughs> and instead, she said, Darren, I want you to look at the windows on the side of this church building. You see how those windows are dark? You wouldn't give them a second glance. And she said, what do those same windows look like on a Sunday morning when we're worshiping? And the sunlight is streaming through all these brilliant colors falling on our faces. And she said, God has made you beautiful like that. You are a piece of that window. Son, you just have to have the eyes to see it. You've got to trust him. And it was really the first time I can remember having an adult thought. Do I believe my mom? But even more so, do I believe God? When I got older, my wife and I had moved out to California and we were living on the western slopes of the Sierra. My wife was making good money. We had a happy, healthy three-year-old daughter. The future looked very bright. And that all came to a screeching halt on August 20 of 2006. Um, I had gotten up that morning. I was headed to church. A man was intoxicated and uh, on high on uh, prescription pills. And he came up the blind rise on this hill and crossed the double yellow line and hit my car head on at 60 miles an hour. The whole front end of the car collapsed and crushed both of my legs. I had acid burns on my arms from the car battery exploding. Even though I was wearing the seatbelt and the airbag went off, my head still went into the windshield, so I suffered a major concussion. My left hip was shattered. My right lung was collapsed, and I was bleeding to death. I was broken. I was very broken. I spent the next August to October having surgeries. The surgeon said, before your accident, you were a 36-year-old man. He said, you're leaving this hospital with the body of a 70-year-old man. And we're gonna have to amputate your right leg below the knee before you leave this hospital. You've just lost 20 years of your life. That didn't only make me stop and think that my body was broken. That really kind of broke my spirit. 
and it really made me question God. Other people came alongside of me and reminded me of the truth of God's Word and that He had good plans for me. Well, just kind of like when I was a little boy, I, I didn't see those good plans. All I saw was broken pieces. And I wanted to die. But God had other plans. All this time, this this chaplain, Jerry Roberts, just kept coming back to me, and he wouldn't leave me alone. He was really getting on my nerves. But he kept coming back to me, and he kept saying, Darren, God has a calling on your life. And one day, he just really got frustrated with me because I wasn't, I was just sitting there. I was, I was paralyzed. And Jerry just looked at me, and he said, Darren, do you really feel God has called you to be a professional patient for the rest of your life? And that kind of hit me between the eyes. I learned that limb loss is not equivalent to life loss. And out of my despair, he brought me hope. At first, I wanted to die, but now I want to live. Not only do I want to live, I want to live for him. held a court hearing, a restitution hearing. I went before the judge and I asked the judge to forgive the amount of debt that this man owed us directly. The judge looked at me and said, why do you want to forgive this man that debt? And I looked at that judge and I told him, because I have a savior that forgave me my debts that I could never repay. And he looked at me And then he looked over at the court reporter and he said, I want you to take every word that Mr. Ray had said, and I want you to send it to this man and have the warden read it to him. When I learned how to forgive this guy, it made me better and not bitter. And I think it really, really helped me to heal. It took me years to really see that he was up to something. He was teaching me how I could come alongside other people and help them in their same moment of pain. I prayed with people wheelchair to wheelchair from one limb loss person to another. Growing up, all I saw was broken pieces. But God took those broken pieces and he put them back into something completely different to make me whole again. Oh, what a life he gives. What a life he's given me. My name is Darren Ray, and I am second. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Darren, he had so much in his life that he was angry at, rightfully so, mad at, upset with, furious over what people had done to him, 
drunk driver done to him? And he was mad for a while. But then he realized what Jesus did for him. And he used what used to be anger for bad. He, he used his life for God's divine purposes and to help others have healing and hope too. Last thought, you can write this down. We can do this too. It's to channel our anger into God's divine purposes. Use our anger for good. I don't know if you've ever thought about it like this before, but instead of just getting mad at our server for silly stuff that doesn't even matter, we need to get upset, mad, furious, angry over things in life that are actually evil, actually injustices, and use that anger to motivate us to do good. God and Jesus, <laughs> they're a lot more slow to anger than we are, aren't they? Numbers says that God is slow to anger, but they still get angry. You know what they don't get angry at? Somebody cutting off their camel in the road, you know, with another camel, right? They don't get angry at their server being five minutes late. They don't get angry at the person in front of them writing the check, taking a long time, in the, or having 13 items in the 12. They get angry at actual things that are good to get angry at, like sin in the world, like injustice like people being hurt, people being mistreated, people being abused. Those are things that God has given us the emotion of anger to be rightfully, righteously upset at. How about senseless violence? God was angry at Israel a lot for broken covenants. How many broken promises do we have today? What about unforgiveness or wickedness? Just plain evil in the world. Some people have hard hearts towards good things, and that makes God angry. How about people that are oppressors, people that are taking advantage of other people, people who are dishonoring and disrespecting the creator of the universe? See, those are things that we should actually spend our emotions, our time, our, our, our angry energy boiling up to a, a rage about. How about this picture? We have child labor. We have... Um, the slaughtering of, you know, 60 million innocent lives since Roe versus Wade, unborn babies. We have uh, sex, sex trafficking, sex slavery. We have children who don't have anything to eat. And, and in America or in other countries, a lot of times it's because the, the leaders in their countries, they just want to take everything for themselves and leave nothing for their people. That's injustice. These are things that we should get upset about. Uh, a Franciscan benediction says, May God bless you with anger. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you can mouth off on Facebook? <laughs> no. And argue with people and debate? No. So that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. Now, we're not like God Exactly. We're fall, fall, far from God, all far, fall short of the, his glory. But 
while we, we may not have perfectly righteous anger, we can grow a lot towards that. To be angry at the things that God and Jesus are angry at. Let's make that our goal this week. Whenever you feel that anger welling up inside of you and me, is this something that God and Jesus are upset with? Or is it a silly little thing that doesn't matter in eternity? Because some things do matter in eternity. Lives matter in eternity. And that's what God is angry at. People mistreating his creation made in his image of significant value and worth. And people treat other people like objects and like trash. Paul writes in Romans 1, But God showed his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. God hates sin and wickedness and people who suppress the truth about God because it leads people away from him, because it leads people to hurt other people who are also made in his image like we're talking about. And honestly, I, so many, um, you know, you may have heard the comparison of churches that they're just country clubs and people go and they pay their yearly dues, their fees, and they, you know, get a whatever out of it. And it's kind of a calm, chill place. Churches, Christians, we should be mad. We should be upset. We need to be getting angry and furious and ticked off at the injustices ruling and reigning, the evil happening all around us in the world. Not just sitting in our comfy chairs. I know this is, we go from here and be the church. But when we leave this place, we got to not just be comfortable Christians living in our little bubbles, doing nothing for God's kingdom work. But we've got to, in our heart of hearts, understand the evil that is happening all around us and say, we will not sit idly by any longer. And if you don't know how to start doing something for God's kingdom cause, there's lots of ways. Maybe I'll send out some resources this week. Lots of online things you can get involved with, helping give money to causes all over the world to fight injustice. I mean... The 70-75 corridor is a bin for drugs and sex trafficking. That's right, 20 minutes away. And there are organizations. I met with them a couple years ago um, to see how we could volunteer. And they were doing some, like going to hotels. Uh, they, they were doing a training thing that I sat in. But they were in hotels passing out soap. And like on the back of the soap was like, look for these signs of people, other people in the hotel that they may not want to be here, that they may be being trafficked. Stuff like that. We, we can do, we can stand up. It's not, I know it seems overwhelming. All the evil in the world, what do I have a chance, stand a chance against, you know, I'm not going to go and defeat the Taliban, right? I can't do that. But there are many things we can get started on today to fight real injustices in the world. I'll send more uh, about that in the email this week. If you're not on the email, let me know, and I can add you to the church email list, and I'll find some resources for us to actually do something. I want to turn with me to one last verse, Romans chapter 12. 
The people around you aren't perfect. Lord knows we're not perfect. And they're not going to meet your expectations. Are you going to get angry with them? Are you going to treat them like trash? Are you going to treat them like you would not want to be treated? Or are you going to do what Paul says to do in Romans chapter 12? Look at verse 18. Let's do 17. No, 16. This is good stuff. <laughs> verse 16. Romans 12, 16. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. I like the version that says, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You can't control other people, but we can learn to control ourselves. Verse 19, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. He's got it covered. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Is that the kind of people that we are going to be? Is that how we are going to use our wrath and our anger righteously, correctly, rightly, in a way that actually combats evil in the world. That's what God gave us, that emotion to do, to fight for his kingdom causes, not to go off on the barista at Starbucks, and slap them around because they're your servant, you know, and you feel like you can't do that. So are you angry at the things God and Jesus are angry at? Or are you and I angry at frivolous, silly matters that don't make a lick of difference in eternity? We're going to sing one last song, and I want to close with these words from Paul in Ephesians 4. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foot hold to the devil. Are you giving a foothold to the devil in your silly anger? Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. So what are we going to do? Fill that gap with, instead of bitterness, instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And that's really the key. That's what Darren discovered remembering how you and I have been forgiven by Jesus changes completely the way that we interact with those around us. And instead of harboring that bitterness and grudges and rage and anger and unforgiveness towards them, it's hard. But we can learn to forgive the people around us who do not deserve our forgiveness because that's where we were at with Jesus. We did not deserve it. We could never earn it and neither do the people in your life. You're going to be angry. You're going to rage. You're going to boil over, burn everything around you. Or you're going to be, use your anger to do good in the world and be forgiving to people who don't deserve it to show them 
how good Jesus is in your life. Would you stand with us and sing praises to our incredible Savior? God, we know that you can indeed do the impossible. I pray that even though we feel our hearts, our lives, our habits, our attitudes, our perspectives, our behaviors are sometimes seemingly impossible to change, I pray you would empower us with your spirit to change, to grow, to be more every day, the people you called us to be, doing what you called us to do, being your church in this world and making a real 
difference in the lives around us and all throughout the world. God, you are, words don't, I <laughs> can't say how amazing you are in our lives, truly. To save us and change us. We thank you every day for how you change our life and our eternity. In Troy View Church, we thank God most of all for who? Jesus. Jesus. In his name, everybody said, amen. amen. amen.